heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his commands to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? We wish. He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He scatters his word to Jacob, his statutes, excuse me, he declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you that you have blessed us with so many benefits, but the greatest is that you, the person, are the benefactor. And to you, we give glory and praise and honor and thanksgiving this morning. To you, for yourself, in yourself, we give you praise. You alone are worthy. Lift our hearts to you. Heal our hearts by drawing near to you by faith in worship this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I properly get started, I just wanted to remind you that faith is the assurance of things hoped for for the conviction of things not seen. And verse 6 in Hebrews 11 and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That will be relevant to the, today and the next two Sunday mornings as we declare God's word. And I know it's basic, but um, a good coach stresses the basics. And uh, I know you've heard it before. And um, you're going to hear it again. And not just from me, because it's not my word, but from the Lord every time you open his word. Uh, we sinners have very bad memories, you know. Very bad. Very selective. Um, I still personally believe my major sin that underlies all of my sins, including idolatry, is unbelief. I just don't believe in the God I'm about to proclaim to you in this psalm. I don't believe who he is. I don't believe his promises. I don't believe his presence. I just don't believe. I act like I'm autonomous and I can do it on my own. Oh, yeah, that sore back I had last week. After about three days, I finally remembered to ask the Lord for healing. All that Tylenol and ibuprofen 
I finally asked him help. And brothers and sisters, that's where the sermon starts this morning. Faith, worshiping in faith, working by faith, loving by faith, doing schoolwork by faith, walking the dog by faith, washing the dishes by faith, riding the bike by faith. All of that is to say, faith is that which looks away from myself, away from my inner condition, away from my outward circumstances, away from how other people are either satisfying my needs or disappointing my needs, and looking to Jesus to find my all. I don't find my faith to be in the, my identity as a preacher or a pastor, or an elder, or a husband, or a father, by my job, by my calling, by my vocation, by whether I'm married or not married, by whether I have children or not have children. As painful as these things may be, the only way I will ever reach contentment on any, to any degree is to find him by faith in dependency and trust, and the Old Testament code word fear, respect, to be resting in God alone. Isn't that strange? Here's a psalm on worship about God's presence. Just what, what, what is it you and I are going to be doing in the intermediate state and in the resurrected state, both? What is it exactly is going to be our function? Exactly what are we going to be doing as the image of God, whether it be the disembodied intermediate state or the re-embodied resurrected state? What is it we're going to be doing? Seeking my own glory? Won't it be glorious that you'll see me standing up there in, in immortality right there on the face of the sun? Won't you think I'm glorious? No. We will be doing exactly what we are doing in a broken, imperfect way this morning together, individually together, worship. What are the, our, our dearly departed loved ones doing? Reread the book of Revelation this month. You can tell, you can find out what they're doing. They're not floating on clouds strumming one of Scott's stringed instruments. They're not hawking toilet paper. Oh, is that too old for most of you? Okay. All right, got to test out. They're worshiping. They're worshiping in unbroken fellowship. Me, I'm going to be distracted looking out these windows today. It's been so rainy and so green this summer. And even though it's cloudy out there, the sky has been so blue. And I, we can't see very well, but the clouds are so glorious. And they're, it's so much fun still to look up there and say, well, that looks like a doggy. Oh, that looks like my doggy. You know? Um, all of this is to say we live 
we worship as God's image by faith. Without even mentioning the text, but only standing here in front of it, I'm introducing to you what it is we want to look at in more particular. The psalmist here praises the Lord. He says it is good to sing praises to our God. It is pleasant, and a praise of God is, uh, to God is fitting. And he begins to tell you why. And it's because of God's presence who builds up Jerusalem, who gathers the outcasts of Israel. It's because of God's presence, the one that is present. He is the one who heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wound. Probably a historical reference to uh, the restoration after the exile. But we can re, re, uh, make a reference to it and with regard to Jesus, the good shepherd, who says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Jesus, the true Israel, the greater than David, shepherd and king, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and gives to them all their names. Great is the Lord and abundant in power. That's why he moves from healing to reassure us that he has the power for healing. To remind us as he moves from redeemer to creator, sustainer, provider. And it, these things just constantly move back and forth. Never ending. Not settling on just one attribute of God. One office and function of God. It's a complete and utter package. And he's our God. And he calls you by name because he knows the number of the stars. I wonder how presumptuous he thinks it is that we're naming the stars for five bucks. I just wonder. I wonder some of these things, you know, what he thinks. The Lord, the powerful Lord, whose understanding is beyond us. We are, to use a graphic I was reminded of, we are the little circle and God is the big circle. We are secondary. We are dependent. We are derivative. We are made in his image, not the other way around. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts down the wicked to the ground. How many times is this reminded uh, of us uh, in, the, in the word of God, James says that uh, uh, as, as we confess our sins and, and he gives us more grace uh, to repent of them and know ourselves better in our weakness and, and bring ourselves to him for forgiveness and cleansing. Um, he loves the humble, but he opposes the proud. He casts the wicked to the ground. When we come into God's presence here in the morning, as obvious as it might be, sometimes I still forget. I'm here not to uh, show off and uh, glorify myself, but I am here to point you to his glory. I am here to say, hey, the bread's over here, the soup line's over here, and I'm the most needy beggar in the bunch. That's how I know where it is. And I want to point you to Jesus, who is Emmanuel, 
God with us. So that when we worship, we don't have to wonder, I wonder if he's here with me today or not. No, the bigger question is uh, about your faith and your humility. I wonder if you're with him here today or not. Is your mind and faith and heart set on him, see? And that's always the question, you know? He never moves. I'm the one that shifts and moves. I'm shifty. The psalmist uh, reinforces what he's saying in uh, the next stanza. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our, our God on the lyre. He uh, covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. I'd be careful about complaining how much you've had to mow this summer. That rain and sunshine and grass growing, that is a normal, everyday, providential, theophany, manifestation of the, of the presence of God in our life. Mow your lawn. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. Boy, that always bugs me when I hear that. But anyway, uh, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. In the Old Testament, you see the word fear of the Lord. Just go ahead and, and say in your own head, respect. It's not cowering terror. It is respect, worship, an attitude of the heart that he is God. He is present. I need to be still. I need to listen to him. I need to hear him. I need to take in seriously what he is saying and what he is doing and what he has done and what he will do. That is the fear of the Lord. In those who hope in his steadfast love. And you always have to interpret those words because it's always, what's translated there is always covenant love. I will be your God. You will be my people. I promise to love you. It's guaranteed now by the New Testament that is the New Testament, the New Covenant that is in his blood. No more worrying about the covenant being violated and being sent off into exile. No more. Jesus is the guarantee. His blood, his body, as we remembered last Sunday. There is no fear in the love of God. And Jesus is that love. And we put our hope in his steadfast love. One word about hope. Again, a reminder perhaps, maybe someone's hearing it for the first time. Three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. And I'm not making a comment about love. I'm making a comment about faith and hope. Faith, I've already said, is a present dependence upon him, trust in him. In this sense, Jesus had faith. Jesus depended on the Father. He said, I don't do anything apart from the Father's will. I, in complete agreement from before creation, have covenanted with him in eternity. 
that I will do his will, not mine. And you can uh, see that. Uh, I especially like it in the Gospel of John when he talks that way. Dependency. Even though he's the second person of the Trinity, he's the second of the person of the Trinity, in the humility of his humanity, and he cries. And he had to have his diapers changed. And he didn't come out of the womb unable to eat. He's fully human and fully divine, one person with two natures, with no confusion, complete in himself for us, for you. Hope, though, is not the present faith that we live in the already, but hope has a future aspect to it. Future faith. I read a quote this morning, maybe some of you read it, that the difference between the prayers of the persecuted American church and the prayers of the persecuted Chinese church are this. The Chinese church prays, Lord, help me to withstand and persevere through this pers persecution so that you will be glorified most brilliantly. And the Americans, including myself, Lord, just get me out of this. Now, I do not agree with our Chinese brethren praying for us to have persecution. The Bible says, flee persecution. Jesus told them to get out of Jerusalem when you see the signs of the destruction of Jerusalem. Don't stand around waiting for it. I don't know why we would pray for it. Because it will happen. It does happen. Americans have their own kind of persecution. And it's a question mark about whether it's ever going to get any better. Maybe it shouldn't. I don't know. That's for another sermon. Hope is living in the future, not just the present. And when that Chinese brother or sister prays, Lord, while I'm going through this persecution, I just want to know how I can best react to glorify you. Jesus said, when you're persecuted for my sake, like the prophets were, rejoice. Don't try to dodge it. Or ask to just get out of it. Wow. You can't say that's part of my everyday experience, can you? I don't know. I can't. It's a challenge, isn't it? But, you know, this age is the already, not yet age. You've all heard that. Faith is for the already, and hope that we also live in right now is for the future. We have a future hope. We believe that. We depend upon that. We trust that. And this psalmist, he has an eschatology, too, in the Old Testament. He looks forward to Jesus' coming. We look back on Jesus' coming. And this is what the unity of the church, our union with Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem, the communal aspect. Pra praise your God, O Zion, the communal aspect, the church. 
For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool, scatters frost like ashes. He moves again from being the redeemer and the savior, the builder of the church and the families that are within it to the peace within the borders no longer of that postage stamp size country called uh, Israel, but the new Israel, the spiritual Israel of Abraham, the Israel that is Jesus and those united to him, the true Israel, he brings peace to your borders and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is his presence in our life, in the history of the church. This is what we worship him for, that he is the savior, the builder of the church. He makes peace in the borders and he fills us, not just with food, but we know we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That word that he sends out into his creation, into common grace, where he makes the snow to fall upon the evil as well as the righteous. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. And who can stand before his cold? Neither the righteous nor the unrighteous. We both have to wear layers. And, and he sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. What a great little poem. I'm a poet and I know it. There we go, right there. Blow and flow. This is God's word. When God's word goes forth and we have some rain possibly today, or not, this is a normal, everyday sort of, not natural, but creational activity of the providence and the sustaining power of our creator God who knows how many leaves are on that tree right there? And he knows without cutting it down and looking how old that big one, that big oak over there is next to the manse. Now, I've made it easier for him to know about this. <laughs> you know, that's not, I, that, there's no merit in that, you know. But uh, it's an exclusive club. Anyway, uh, the, the, Lord, the Lord sends forth his word, whether it's from his word written here and in your hearing this morning. He sends forth his word. When that baby is conceived, it's not an accident. It's not mechanical. It's not automatic. It's him sovereignly bringing that conception about. Or not, sadly. I have the Rolling Stones on mine, so you wouldn't, have, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't like it. Can't always get what you want. Go through a divorce and you'll like that song. 
He sends forth his word. I think sometimes I take it for granted that when I read his, the word of God for my daily devotions, or I hear a sermon, or I hear the words of God in a song, do you think that he is present with that? Or do you think, ah, it's just Scott doing his thing? Or, you know, it's just the, it's just the elders reading the Bible. Sunday school teacher, yeah, that's something they've got to do. Let's see, top of my list, have devotions. Check that off. Now I can get on to the real day. You know, huh? What? You know why we have devotions, brothers and sisters? You know why we open up the Bible and why we pray? It's to meet with God. Because he's present. Not to be able to check off to our to-do list, even if it's at the top. It's to meet with the person. Now here's another old joke. It's to call home. It's not to do your duty. It's to hear his voice. And in prayer, we talk his voice, his will back to him. And sometimes we feel like we're experiencing his presence, really and truly. Sometimes we feel it. And sometimes we don't. And you know what? Whether you feel it or not is, doesn't make him decide whether he's present or not. Or in some, oh, Scott's laughing. Now I've got one for you, Scott. In some Kantian way, to... To, to make sure that God is conforming to your will and being present. Oh, yeah. That's the whole problem we got from Adam and Eve. The devil said, see, he's not present here. We can talk about this. Let me just add something to his word and get you to do something on your own. Because he's holding back his best from you. And we all died. That's a bummer. Let's talk about the last verse. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation, they do not know his rules. Oh man, we're, you said we're as a bummer. We're going to end on a more positive note. You know, you're going to talk about rules? Yep. Because this is about election. You have ears to hear and eyes to see that God is present in this worship service, in the car on the way home, when you lay your head down in the bed at night, and when you get up. Put your feet on the floor in the morning. You have eyes to see and ears to hear something real in spiritual reality that there will be people, perhaps some in this room, in our families, who are permanently blind, permanently deaf, and will die in the first Adam, never knowing the love and the forgiveness and the power and the glory, and the beauty, and the acceptance of Jesus, God's only begotten Son. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, Jacob, 
the true Jacob, the true Israel, Jesus, the one who lived the life I should have lived, the one who died the death I should have died, the one who is coming back for me and for you so that we can be in his presence and without sin in an unbroken way. And faith will turn to sight. Positive. Anybody else positive? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you for Jesus.